0: Wow. If you're excited about being here, give the Lord a round of applause. All right. Yes, 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 yes. hundred and twenty five days since we were last together. Can you imagine? That is over a third of a year. And that is how long it has been. I was getting dressed this morning and didn't put on a t-shirt and sweatpants. That was a a breakthrough moment, I felt. Uh, What a day. What an incredible time. And to realize this, that we have more people still meeting online than we have in this room. And so it is uh, awesome. The family of Grace Point is meeting literally all over the world. And and I say that, family and friends of Grace Point, because we've had people tune in from Kuwait, from Nairobi, Kenya, from West Africa, from all over during this time that we've been able to see... Through COVID shutting us down, if you will, it has changed us and rearranged us in so many ways. At the same time, it's created opportunity. And so we're excited about this, and so we're going to continue to talk to you in the room. Obviously, you're here, but we're going to continue to talk to those online because they're a part of us as well, and we want to invite them in. And when those who are in Northwest Arkansas feel comfortable and ready to come back, you are more than welcome to join us. There are a lot of changes. One, we're not going to be meeting on the Second Tuesdays of the month. If you caught that a little earlier, and so uh, again, we got some uh, rusty edges. We got we got to knock off. But anyway, we're going to be on the second Sunday for uh, the foreseeable future. That for a lot of reasons I'm not even going to go into. But that's going to give us an opportunity to warm back into this, give people a little bit more confidence, make sure we're doing the the right social distancing, the right hygiene along the ways. Because none of us want to infect any of us. Neither do we. We want to be infected. So let's care and respect for one another all along the way. There's lots of changes uh, going on. Generosity has changed. We're not going to be passing baskets probably ever again. So online generosity, basket, the wall um, uh, in the back, the boxes on the back, opportunities for you to give, connect with us digitally. So many ways that we're going to be changing. So hang with us in this because it, I think Grace Point will come out better uh, and we will be better all around you know, through this experience. And so our next time will be August the 9th. We'll be kicking off a new series of messages on that day called Love Better, okay? This was a series of messages that's been in the work for over a year. I thought we were going to be doing it pre-COVID, okay? Then COVID hit and we did the Disruption Series. So this is a message series that's been working in my heart for some time. Love better probably couldn't come at a better time than in this season of our life as a country, as a community, is learning how to not just feel love, but how to do love, okay? And that's what we're going to be focusing on when we come back, kicking off that series. And so I'm looking forward to that as God has been laying it into, in, on my heart. I don't know if you have, you, heard, you saw the question maybe in the gallery, have you finished Netflix yet? All right. Because there's lots out there, and I know that we've all been on it. All right? Thank God for Netflix. Thank God for uh, Amazon Prime. I had to say Amazon, Walmart. If you'll come up with a Walmart Prime, I'll give you a plug, too. Uh, You know, know, we've got Disney Plus. We've got all these options that now we can entertain ourselves, and we have done that. I want you, if you're watching online, obviously, if you're in the room, you can't exactly do this. But if you're watching online, I want you to put in the comment section, what is your favorite genre of television, okay? Movies, particularly. So in this room right now, determine what is your favorite genre. All at three, two, one, I want you to tell me, okay? Are you ready? One, or three, two, one. Action. Action, I heard. All right. Any animation people in there? Like, like a good, uh, picks nobody. Okay, there's one. Thank you, Michael. Uh, and there's some kids up there, good, uh, that, that like animation. You take animation with sci-fi, and if they ever invent another one of those, I'll be okay. Uh, I, it's just not my, it's not my thing, okay? It's not my jam. Uh, however, my soon-to-be daughter-in-law uh, decided we were, as a family-to-be, we're going to go see a movie, and we let her choose. Mistake will never happen again. She chose Frozen 2. Frozen 1 was bad enough. Frozen 2 was, I was asleep in 10. Minutes, And so I measure the quality of a movie by how fast it takes me to put me to sleep. And so that was one of those. And so what is your favorite genre of movies? Well, this is the title of my message today is How to Train Your Dragon, okay? How to Train Your Dragon. Now, maybe you have seen this uh, trilogy of animations that are out there. Uh, It started with How to Train Your Dragon, uh, and then it went to How to Train Your Dragon 2, a very creative title there. And then How to Train Your Dragon in the Hidden World okay? I want to talk about today that you have a dragon, I have a dragon, and it is in our hidden world. And we need to understand that hidden dragon comes out at times, sometimes uh, in an unpremeditated way, sometimes in a knee-jerk reaction, sometimes uh, we say things that we later on regret. Many times we do that. And it is a dragon inside of us, all right? Now, I want you to just listen to the message as I read verse 5 to 6 and just insert the word your dragon in in this spot here. So follow along on the words on the screen. here, Here it goes. It, your dragon, can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark. Remember, dragons breathe fire. Remember to set off a forest fire. Our dragon can run the world. Turn harmony to chaos. Turn mud, uh, uh, throw mud on a reputation. Send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. uh, Smoke that rises right out of the pit of hell. That is the description of the dragon that we carry inside our hidden world. That dragon, if we're not careful, listen to this, and you know cases of this... A dragon will cause a person, an untamed dragon will cause a person to lose his job or lose her job by merely not controlling the dragon inside of them, by saying the wrong thing to the wrong person at the wrong time can cause a person to lose their job. It's caused marriages to have irreparable harm because there's untamed dragons, Children have experienced wounds that they carry all of their life because of an emotional outburst that was given that caused a wound in a child that they carried. Churches have split over over an untamed dragon. Nations have pitted against nations because of untamed dragons. I cannot emphasize to you enough that this dragon concept has got to be dealt with. It is this small muscular organ located in, the, in this thing called the mouth. It's the tongue. And if we don't learn and to tame this and train this, it will actually destroy us. So if we've been with us through the book of James, and that was not my intent for the summer, but again, God has had lots of other agendas going on in our lives, right? So James is where we have been since the end of this disruption series. And I think it's been very practical for us, very, very succinct, Proverbs-like statements that, that, that James throws at us, just good coaching points that he gives to us for life. And so As we look at James, over the past several weeks, it hasn't been very proverbial, if you will, in the proverb formation kind of way, where most of Proverbs are very densely packaged, a couple of phrases, a couple of verses, all packaged together, and they come as zingers, okay? That's how most of James is written. However, there are three treaties that he gives in the middle of James that are actually full-length, several verses, 12 verses today, to be exact, treaties for our lives and how we live our lives and there are three basic expressions of our lives and if we are very cognizant of this then we will see these expressions okay their emotions their actions and their words We need to understand that if we cannot control our emotions, how we feel about other people, Joey Dotson shared a powerful message. If you missed it, go back online and watch it. If we aren't careful, we will allow prejudice. We will allow favoritism. We'll allow our feelings to take over. So We have to be very cognizant of our emotions. We also have to be, which in chapter 2, uh, 1 to 13 is where he deals with, with that. Then he talks about actions. Actions is what Caleb shared a few weeks ago. Whenever faith without works is dead, whether it's your feelings or it's your actions or it's today your words. And if we don't understand that what James beautifully did for us is he painted the picture of your life, your feelings and your emotions, your actions and how you live out your faith, and then today the words of your mouth, he literally covered everything about how we express ourselves in life. And he has given us guidance and leadership and direction on how we can better live in this world. Because we are living in a world war of words. If you haven't figured that part out yet. Right? Hey, whether it's the social media, whether it's the, whether it's the party politics, whether it's the race divide, there's a lot of words being shared and and shot across lines that are hurting people, that are damaging people. We are we are uh, we've gone from just doing it in Adam and Eve when words were twisted in Adam and Eve in the garden to where are we at today. We have we have industrialized it, putting it online. In fact, so much so that cyberbullying has become a word. In fact, if you been on Instagram or you've been on Facebook or you've been on Twitter, by all means, then you have seen it, heard of it. If you've had kids that have gone to school, they've experienced it very likely. In fact, I asked one of the teachers in our school, hey, is there a policy in the Bentonville school system that has anything to say about cyberbullying?" And he literally copied the pages, not page, Pages of everything it says about bullying in Bentonville High School, and I would say that one of uh, Bentonville schools, and I would say that one of the most common words in there was cyberbullying. Yet, what do we see? Even grown adults, politicians, leaders, people shooting across lines at one another in a cyberbullying kind of way. We need to learn to train our dragon or our dragon will set this world on fire. Probably not a more relevant message than right here today in the day which we live. Speaking of students, speaking of our students that will hopefully go back to school one day, uh, speaking of our high school and middle, uh, uh, our our junior high students, we've asked our students to read our passage of text today. So if you have your Bibles, you can open to James chapter 3. We'll be there in verses 1 to 12. And let's just let our students read our text to us today. So guys, fire it up. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. Because you know that who teaches will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Able also to bridle his whole body. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Like the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Corrupting your entire body, it can set your whole life on fire. And it itself is set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a reckless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapefruit bear figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. All right. Thanks to our students for sharing our word uh, today. And as you read that and you follow along in your Bibles, I want us to see in this passage of 12 verses, he gives us three warnings about the dragon inside of us. Three warnings that we need to be very alert to. Number one warning, jot them down, is your words hold power. Your words hold power but your words express weakness. You're going to see that each one of these warnings comes almost like a contradiction. Your words are very powerful. At the same time your words show great weakness if we're not careful. When you look at that passage and you and you and you skip it look down at verse 1, then you find where he says this in verse 1. He says not many of you Should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that he who will teach will be judged with greater strictness. This is a challenge to us to say, hey, listen, if you want to be a teacher, especially James is referring to teachers of the word, you need to really think long and hard about this. Because it is a tremendous, powerful thing to stand where I am standing, to open this book, and to start articulating as if you were speaking from this book, that you have got yourself together, come out here today, sit down in this room today, trusting that you're going to hear truth from God and not be manipulated. And I pray to God as I do each and every day and each and every week and each and every Sunday, that God may these be your words, not my words. May my prejudice not be there. May my agenda be off the table. And may they hear from you and not from me. I remember my pastor, whenever I was growing up and as a sophomore in high school, I went to him and told him I felt like God was leading me, calling me into the pastoral ministry. And he literally said this. He says, Mike, if you can do anything else, go do it. Literally, he said that. He said, if you can dig ditches and be happy and content digging ditches, then go do that. Literally, it caught me off guard. But I have to believe that he was in some part thinking back, referring back to this verse because then he comes back, he says, and then Mike, if you can't do anything else but this, then you run headlong into it. You do it with all gusto. You do it with all of your might. What was he saying? He was saying exactly what James is saying. Be careful. Your words carry tremendous weight. There's tremendous power behind them. But if you go on in verse 2, you also see that our words point to our weakness. Verse 4, he says, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is perfect man, able to bridle even his whole body. Basically, none of us in this room would call ourselves perfect. Basically, what James is saying here is, listen, the last thing we're going to ever be able to tame is our tongue. It is a a thing that will stumble us, will cause us to fall, will cause us to trip. If we aren't careful, we'll say things to our kids that our kids will remember 30 years from now. One statement can be lodged in the heart of a child, that they'll hear and repeat and go to bed at night replaying in their mind, in their heart, and in their soul 30 years from now. What we might say to a spouse, what we might say on the job, as I said in the beginning, might literally be something that will destroy our future if we do not realize the power of the tongue and the, the ability For it not only to create great power, but also to be a means of stumbling and falling. In fact, this same word that James uses in verse 2, he also uses in chapter 2, verse 10. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails, pateo, in one point he has been guilty of all. So the word for fall or stumble or trip up. Again, how many times have we said something that, ooh, I wish I hadn't said it? The words that we say can be the very thing that can change lives and and bring life transformation and bring people closer to Jesus and walk with Jesus forever and ever. Amen. At the same time, our very words can be the very thing that breaks them. And we stumble on. We speak on average 10,000 words a day. Now, some speak more than others, and I'll let you figure that. Average it out. Yet Ecclesiastes says in Ecclesiastes 5, two, therefore, let your words be few. It would do us all, it would behoove us all to think through our words. I'm reading a book right now, Telling Yourself the Truth. What a unique name, Telling Yourself the Truth. In that book, the psychologist says that we on average lie to ourselves 200 times a day. 200 times a day it's either a pre-recorded voice that we continue to say to ourselves that's nothing but a lie or it's lies that we might tell somebody else because we're trying to cover up for something or it's 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 fabrications of the truth or little white stretched lies whatever you want to call it but it's literally something that we would do if we're not careful our words will be the thing that we stumble on number two your words are small right a simple word you can't even see it come out of my mouth it's so small but your words are huge they're ginormous they weigh a ton they carry such weight they can literally what he he does here if you'll notice in the in the passage in verse 3 to verse 5 he uses small metaphors to create huge change Small metaphor like a horse's bit will turn a ton horse, a horse that weighs half a ton. A small metal bit in the mouth can turn a ginormous horse, yes. He says a a, a ship that's sailing on the waters can be turned by a small rudder that you don't even see, it's below the surface. A forest fire will be set ablaze by what? A simple Spark, your words are so small, but the impacts are so huge. I researched how much your tongue weighs okay that's the kind of stuff I do uh, when i 'm bored, right? According to the University of Edinburgh, your tongue is a, well there's some longer than others, but i won't we won 't do a tongue test today, but uh, on average about three point three inches long. For men, uh, women, you can use this later on with your husband, uh, women's on average is 3.1. So men have a longer tongue than women. On average, the tongue weighs 0.015 pounds. It's a pretty insignificant part, right? It's pretty small in the grand scheme of things, of the body and what weighs the most and what's the biggest, but yet the tongue without it or with it creates so much? What are some ways that our tongue can make a huge impact? Or what are some ways that, that we need to see our small tongue making a huge impact? One is too many words. I've kind of already referred to this, but I want to give you a bunch of verses now. So if you're at home, jot them down, read them later on. But here they are. E- Ecclesiastes 5.3. Fools, a fool's voice is known by his many words. Job 13. Uh, read it with me. It's on the screen behind me. Job thirteen five. I wish you'd shut your mouth. Read it with me, okay? You're reading it out loud now. You are permitted to talk at this point. Yes. I wish you'd shut your mouth. Silence is your only claim to wisdom. What was it, Abraham uh, uh, Lincoln, who was credited with saying that, You would rather people think you're a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. Uh, Think about that. that. I think that verse applies there. Job 16, verse 3. Read it with me. Won't you ever stop your flow of foolish words? What have I said that makes you speak so endlessly? Some of you would like to give that verse as a gift to somebody else. Ecclesiastes 5, 7 there is read it with me, there is run in a flood of empty words. Fear God instead. The mere law of average, the more you talk, the more you 're going to stumble. So too many words. be careful. If you remember, we started this whole race conversation in our church whenever sudden needless deaths. Took place in the black community that it erupted into riots in the street right at the time we were setting James chapter 1, verse 19, where we're told to be slow to speak and quick to listen. And we've asked all of our church to just lean in, go to somebody of color, and just ask them the question Have you ever experienced any kind of racism, any kind of rejection? Any kind of humiliation because of the skin color, and just listen. And listening for me has created incredible epiphanies about myself and about what's going on. But if I'm always doing this and I'm not doing this, I'll never hear it. Number two, gossip. Gossip is one of the small ways. I mean, it's not really that big of a deal. I'm only sharing what I've heard, I didn't start the gossip. I'm only passing it along. Or in prayer groups, I have a prayer request. And we'll give everything but that final juicy bit of detail and just leave it hanging. It's a form of gossip. Someone said it like this, dogs are man's best friend because they wag their tail and not their tongue. There's a lot of truth to that. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 16 says this. You must not spread false stories against other people. I am the Lord. Rick Warren said in his book, A Purpose Driven Life, he said the gossip is passing on information when you are neither a part of the problem nor a part of the solution. That's what gossip is. Lies. I already said that we lie to ourselves. We lie to others over 200 times on average a day. Think about the things that we're saying to ourselves. Think about the things that we're stretching out there. We never really consider lies that really big of a deal. We wouldn't lump it in with a murderer, right? Or a rapist. I mean, that's that's, that's, that's a little stretch, Mike. It's just a little lie. It's my taxes. But hey, you know what? The government's taking too much anyway. I can fudge a little bit here putting in half a dozen other examples. I've heard of parents where they'll go up to buy tickets at the movie theater and say, hey, tell them your age is this so that I can get a few dollars off. You know what? You may save a few dollars, but it may cost you your character with your child. A simple telling of a lie. Where does a lie go? Where, where does that put us? What does that lump us into the category? Revelation 21.8 says, But the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and the immoral persons and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Murders, liars are put into the same eternal position. Flattery. Is another one of those things. Oh, flattery! I'm trying to compliment somebody, but it's really not the truth. I'm really—it's—it's it's an empty praise to get at an alternative motive, behind an alternative motive. Okay, it's, I'm really trying to get something from them, so I'm going to—I'm going to flatter them. Psalm 12, chapter verse three. It says, "May the Lord cut off all flattering lips." The, the last one, and it's probably not the last one, it's the last one I'll give you, of the small ways that we can use our tongue but make a ginormous, huge impact is through grumbling. Grumbling. It's this half-uttered, half-spoken, half-concealed complaint. We can do it in such a passive-aggressive kind of way. We can share something, but we don't share in truth. It's grumbling underneath the surface. It's like a, it's like a smoldering fire inside the soul. And, but we don't let it come out to the right person in the right attitude in the right time. Instead, we would rather talk about people than talk to people. That grumbling is probably one of the most dangerous and most unaddressed issues in the home, in the church, in in, in relationships, on the job, with the boss, whomever. Is the grumbling that can take place. Beware of the grumblers. In fact, if you think about one of the greatest leaders ever to mark the pages of Scripture, you'd you'd have to be in your top five at least, maybe in your top three, would be a man named Moses. What does Moses do? He leaves his house in place of privilege. He comes down to become a servant to his own people to help rescue them from the slavery of the Egyptians. He puts himself out there. He, he puts himself on the line. Now, as the story goes, they takes and leads willing volunteers to go. Those who signed up for the task and the journey, they start on this, what well, becomes a 40-year journey. When they get on that journey, they begin to look at their leader and they begin to grumble. And that's literally the words that they say. If you look at Exodus chapter 15, verse 24, it says, And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? I want you to hear that for a moment. There's an entitlement socialist kind of attitude here. I'm thirsty, but you're not giving me something to drink if you're thirsty, go dig a well. If you're thirsty, go get a drink. But what they did, instead of becoming a part of the solution, they added to the problem. And they began to grumble about Moses. And instead of becoming, again, this sense of, uh, uh, I'm thirsty, what can I do about it? Moses, I'm thirsty, what are you going to do about it? But here's the thing about it. If that's in chapter 15, if you just go one more chapter down to chapter 16, you'll notice that grumbling doesn't stop. It actually grows. The whole congregation of the people of Israel grumble against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Grumbling will spread faster than COVID-19 and could be more dangerous than COVID-19. Where it may not kill you physically, It can kill you in every other way, a slow, painful death. Let us be mindful that grumbling is a dangerous part of society. When we grumble, we don't go to the right person, the right attitude, the right time, and tell them the right truth. We don't. We'd rather talk about them than talk to them. It is a horrible virus that happens. That's chapter 16. But it doesn't stop. You go to chapter 17. This is what it says in chapter 17. It says, but the people thirsted. Again, they're still thirsty two chapters later. They thirsted for water. I want to say, get off your gluteus maximus and go out and dig a well, okay, if you're thirsty, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, "Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children?" Now you talk about a story that has grown now, because that's what grumbling does. Is it's not good enough to stay here with the issue we're thirsty. Now you're literally killing us. You're out to get us. You're out to set sa- You left the palace to bring all of us out here to kill us and to kill our children. You see what grumbling does? Grumbling is never finished. It's not happy until there are more people grumbling. It's not happy until there is more grumbling to be grumbled about. It is a cancer. It is a virus. Here's a life principle for you. Jot it down. Grumblers don't solve problems. They multiply problems. They multiply them. Three chapters into grumbling, and they're still grumbling, and guess what? They will continue to grumble. That's why in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. If you can't do it without grumbling, then don't do it. Fix the grumble, then do it. Go to the right person, the right time, the right attitude, the right words, and work on the right solution together. The third, your words take life, take your life, your words give life. Your words will, they'll cause you to stumble, be careful of that. They'll also cause you to help people's lives change. It can be incredibly helpful whenever we train our dragon. Your words will make people, and will make a huge impact on people or it can literally destroy people. Your words take life or they give life. Your tongue will take someone's life if we're not careful. If you go to verse 6 to 9, this is what it says. If you have your Bibles, it says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among its members. It's staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell itself. It is a hot mess, literally. Literally. And we need to remember the words of Jesus whenever he said, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. We will give an account for our words. Every idle word is what some translations say. So be warned that your words can literally take someone's life a couple of verses to jot down as we get ready in the fall to study through the book of Proverbs. Here's a couple of samples of Proverbs again. Proverbs 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. What will your tongue do? Will it bring life or will it take life? Proverbs 15, one, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And I will say this in confession to you that I have been guilty of many a harsh words. And I am trying to surrender my tongue more and more and listen deeper and deeper to not only what is said, but how it is said, why it is said, what's behind what's being said, more and more and more. I can remember as a high school intern, actually a college intern, that I was with a group of brothers, really a band of brothers. that to this day, we, we maintain contact with each other. Different parts of the world, one's in St. Louis, one's in, in, in DFW, Dallas-Fort Worth area, one's out in Oklahoma City. And to this day, we still maintain touch with one, one another. But we, after a summer of being together and jabbing each other, as college students tend to do, and sticking each other, we began to feel, even inside of ourselves, a little bit beat down. Even though we knew they were brother, even though we knew they were in jest, we knew that some of, the, some of the things that they were saying, there was maybe a kernel of truth to it, and it was painful. It was hurtful. And it was in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29, that we all agreed that we were going to rally around. And we committed it to memory. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for the edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear it. I have to realize my words can take life or my words can give grace, can give life. William Gladstone was a man who was running to be prime minister of England, and he was known for his incredible education and status in society. He was educated at Oxford. He was respected across the land. He was a shoe-in to get it. He was a decorated individual and had a pedigree to match it. William Gladstone. But there was another man running against him, a Jewish-born man. That alone, a Jewish-born man in the United Kingdom was a strike against him. Benjamin Disraeli was his name. And they were running against each other. And one had a pedigree as long as my arm and another one had this education somewhere. I couldn't even find where he was educated at, to be honest with you, as I researched him this week. And then you had Oxford educated over here. And there was a shoe in that Gladstone would win. But there was something about when you got with both of those two men. One of them when you talked to Gladstone, you knew he was something, and he made sure you knew he was something. But when you talked to Disraeli, you walked away feeling like you were something. Because when he listened, he would speak to you and he would listen to your story. And the mother of another prime minister to be, Jenny Jerome the mother of Sir Winston Churchill spent an evening with both of them. And this is the way she described her encounter with both of them. When I left the dining room after sitting next to Gladstone, I thought he was the cleverest man in England. But when I sat next to Disraeli, I left feeling that I was the cleverest woman. You see the contrast in two individuals. Do you help people become better, brighter? Is your words full of grace and truth? Not just truth, fiery truth. When you look at the life of Jesus and the way he talked and walked and listened to women's stories, in a male-dominated world, listen to a Samaritan woman's story in a Jewish body, listened to her at the well and talked with her and conversed with her. When you, when, you, when you look at the life of Jesus and he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Whenever you look at the life of Jesus and you hear how he conversed and how he taught and how what happened when he taught, People saw the power and experienced the power in him. And the Pharisees, when they spoke, the educated ones, they saw emptiness in them. The point is this, is the life of Jesus is a life of words. Power, life-giving words. And he offers us life. Today. He offers us hope today. He comes and sits at our well and He listens to our story and He gives us life eternal. Would you bow your heads with me today? If you're watching online and you have never given your life to following Jesus, text GPC Connect. Text that to 97000. If you're here in this room today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never experienced Jesus hearing your story. He knows your story. He listens to your story. He speaks words of life into your story. He takes fishermen and he, he makes them fishers of men. He speaks promise into them. What does he want to speak into your life, into your story? What hope? Father God, in this moment, in this place. May your name be praised. May you be lifted up. And Lord, for people who are watching online, may they know the grace and the power of your words of hope. And may they examine their words and how their words are giving life or taking life or stumbling or they are empowering. Lord, help us to measure our words and weigh them out according to grace and truth. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.